You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. It's five o'clock in the morning. You've just pissed on a dumpster. It's Miller time. Oh, he got hit! Look at the finish The return to glory. We will not be intimidated. We will not back down. Let's go, Johnny O. What's up? What's up, dude? I'm, I'm back. <laughs> Except uh, this time, unlike Sam Ellinger, I'm actually back. Okay. Last time Sam Ellinger said it, UT did absolutely nothing. Shout out, Dave. But uh, little little Johnny O takeover here. Uh, I'm gonna do the intros today. If you guys are okay with that. Let's go. Send hey, it. You do you, baby. All right. All right. Standing at 6'4". Oh, like a real Coming intro. In oh. 235 pounds. Thank if he's lucky. <laughs> Plus or minus a testicle is our first guest. <laughs> Famous for breaking up with one of his ex-girlfriends while yelling, Woo Pig Suey, and mistaking her for a famous Razorback mascot, Tusk. R.I.P. Oh, R.I.P. He likes playing cornhole because it reminds him of what a full bag feels like. And he drinks beer for the mouthfeel. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bragg's about his 26 handicap on the weekends. But given the opportunity, could suck the chrome off a toe hitch for a round of Miller Lights for the boys. Please welcome our first guest, <laughs> Drinking Thick Dag, baby. Let's go. That is so good. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, Johnny O. Happy to have you. Happy to have you. Um, <laughs> our second guest, our second guest, this is a special one right here, folks. Standing at six feet, one inches tall, coming in at a whopping 170 pounds soaking wet with a 765 credit score is our second guest. He once tried out for a show, Housewives of College Station, but didn't make the cut because <laughs> his knockers weren't big enough. He has a perfect 2020 vision unless it comes to watching and evaluating the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl chances. <laughs> he looks like a cross between <laughs> He looks like a cross between Macaulay Culkin and Tyrion Lannister. <laughs> and once tried Lipitor before a round of golf because Dak told him it would shave five strokes off of his golf game. His prized possession is a University of Texas Vince Young jersey. And he commonly oh, refers to himself God. as a field grade officer that finally graduated from the Texas A&M University at the ripe age of 33 with a master's degree in underwater basket weaving. Please welcome the second guest of today's podcast, Drink and Think Dave. Let's go. I don't <laughs> I know can't. that anyone could do it better. I, uh, you know, I think pretty much you nailed it on the head, except for the Vince Young jersey. Uh, <laughs> but uh, other than that, I don't think I have anything to argue with on that intro. Nope. Hey, I don't. We can stop this fucking podcast right now. I mean, that is it. 
man, that was good, man. Best point right there. We could talk for the next four hours and it's not going to beat. I like to play cornhole. So I know what it feels like to have a full sack. That is golden <laughs> as fuck. I love it. I'm so glad you're back, dude. This is, uh, I mean, it was so good the first time that, you know, it was just like a no brainer. See you next week kind of thing. And, uh, like we said, you're down there in Arizona doing your thing. And so, uh, fortunately you have a little time to hang out with us. And so welcome back. Uh, Dave, why don't you actually tell us what we're about besides, you know, half sacks and, uh, want to be champions in the Super Bowl Dallas Cowboys. Well, yeah, I will say uh, the real reason Johnny O is back, if you didn't listen to him for round one, go back and listen to last week's episode, had a lot of fun. The real reason he's back is because, like me, he picked the Cowboys to win the Tampa Bay game. (laughs) Cowboys just, yeah, and to be, I, you know, I spoke it into existence, remember, 1982, Cowboys 37 to zero, you know, they win 31 to 14, and so I, you know, Johnny O's back because the Cowboys. We know we need all the luck we can get this week. So hell yeah, brought him and, back. And that's coming from a former Redskins fan. I say former because the moment that they changed their name to the Commanders, I fucking jumped ship and said, "Let's go Panthers." But wow, all right, there you go. I mean, imagine if the Cowboys change their name. Would you stay a Cowboys fan or whatever they? Probably not. He has no choice. Probably not. He's got, well, it would be awkward because he's got like a star like branded on his ass cheek. So it would Mm. be a little weird if they changed their name, but yeah. Mm. Um, But yeah, against my better judgment, I picked the Cowboys and look what happened. I mean, absolutely smoked them. I can a hundred percent see like legitimately the Cowboys win next week. It doesn't matter if you're in the field, you're like, He's coming back it, on. No, no, it does not matter. Your ass will be here. I guarantee it. Like, hey, we're we're kind of stitious. Not full blown. We're kind of stitious. For sure. Like, and I if you aren't superstitious and you call yourself a sports fan, I have like some bones to pick with that because there is like I physically was thinking through the like play call of all right, what happens if the Cowboys come out flat and they're not playing well? Like I'm going to go up and like change my clothes and like put on something completely different. See, you know, you have to do what you got to do. And so if you don't believe in any of that, or you don't believe in momentum or anything like that, number one, uh, you should have watched the Jags game, but two, uh, I don't think you're a real sports fan. Oh, the number of times that I've, you know, been drinking Miller light, run out of Miller light and cracked like a Coors or something. And all of a sudden the Gamecocks start losing and I'm like hauling ass to the nearest liquor store or, you know, Walmart to get another 18 pack of Miller light. Cause I'm, I think that that's the reason we're losing or you responsibly know, you, you grab the nearest DD hop in. He had an Uber. He had an Uber ass. for sure. Oh, Uber, Uber, one of those speedy Ubers. Thank you. Thank you. I'm grateful to, be on the podcast for a second week uh love doing this with you guys it's been a blast last week just sitting here prepping the intros had a great time um thinking about random shit that i could put in here that would a couple little one-liners that that i could that i could zip you with so okay um let's get into all right i don't even know we got so much shit to talk about this is really like a 
football only episode, which is great because we're kind of running thin on it. Um, so let's let's talk football. But before we do, let's just hop into some beer because we're all thirsty. We've I've seen I've seen a, a couple of cans go up and down. So I want to hear what everybody's sipping on tonight. So Johnny O, lead us off. What right, is your man. beer of the week? My beer of the week. I'm not sipping on it right now, but I checked in. Uh, you're over two, my dude. Dude, I well, the problem is every time I go to a brewery, especially a local brewery, which I've been to one every single week since I've been here pretty much. Okay. I, I just don't end up bringing anything home because I'm a tap guy. Like, I love it on tap. I, I If I'm going to get it, I want it on tap. I don't want I'm it, about it in the can. Yep. Um, especially if it's 10 minutes down the road. So we finished around at golf on Saturday. I shot terrible. We had a foursome of like 82 year olds riding our ass the whole fucking time. And we got off the course and I was like, let's check this brewery out called Bar Barrio Brewing, local brewery here. Um, they actually had an award winning amber, which is one of the reasons why I wanted it so bad. It's called Rojo. And by Barrio Brewing, um, I ended up again having two large 22 ounce cold ones. It was fantastic. Um, it was like a like a like a group, like a pod of unicorns, just like gallivanting across my palate. Oh, and uh, the mouthfeel was exquisite. Uh, it, it was an it, it was an elite amber. Um, had a little bit of nutty undertones, uh, very smooth, not so much crushable, but very easy to enjoy. And, uh, a little, a little malty, not, not too malty, but, but a good, like nutty aftertaste. I don't know how, if, if Johnny O comes back at some point in the future, I don't know how you can go from cherubs to, Unicorn, like what the what the fuck tops a unicorn? How can narwhals. you up a unicorn? Oh, narwhals are oh, cool. That's a good one. narwhals horning their way through my palate. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I was also curious as to why that was the uh, the verb. Uh, in that jokes sentence. on you, idiots! It's not a horn; it's a tooth. Did you know that the thing is a tooth? All right, read a kid's book every now and then. Moving on. Dave, uh, I'm going to go next because my beer kind of sucks like massive ass. So, uh, you know, I'm going to pull a Dave here. You know, while I'm while I'm stationed here in a, in a Kansas, I'm kind of close to a Boulevard Brewing Company. And so, you know, like sometimes I'll slip down there and pick up some singles. Uh, I don't do tasters, but I found a few pints that they had. And so I grabbed one of these. I don't know why I'm doing you as like a surfer boy because you're not yeah. at all. But you know what? I, right. I've got a Boulevard Brewing Company. Uh, it says Sticky Bun Alert Cinnamon Bun Ale. Uh, the only good thing about this fucking beer is it's 9.5%. Everything else about it sucks monster booty holes. It What's is not beer. Huh? What's the name? Were you listening? No, I wasn't. Okay, continue. Okay. It's called Cinnamon <laughs> Bun Ale. Oh, it doesn't even have a good name. No, it's got a good picture. It's uh, the can's really cool. You see the can? Probably not. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's got a good. Yeah, it's yeah. a cool. It's a cool can. It's got like a little cinnamon bun on a telephone, like retro, like seventies, sixty style, whatever. 
uh, one sip of this, dude, and it it's it's not like you legitimately would not think this is beer. It's almost like it's like someone condensed it down and boiled all the happiness out, and you were just left with like the sticky bun extract. Like if I took a syringe and went to Cinnabon and just sucked all of the ooey gooey off the top and then shot it in your mouth, that's that's what this beer's like. And it's not good. I don't know. There's what a else lot to of people like with the, what you described. So is it that it's not beer or is it just not like doesn't taste good? No, so both. I mean, I say it, it's it's a beer. It says cinnamon bun ale and ale. It's it's I know, but it doesn't yeast. taste like a beer. It doesn't taste not like a beer this. at all. If yeah. I gave you a sip of this and I said I melted down a cinnamon bun and and mixed it with milk and water, you'd be like, "Well, that sucks ass." And I'd be like, "Ha, surprise, it's Boulevard." Mm, interesting. There you go. Yep. As this is 9.5%, I'm probably going to try another swig or two hoping that it gets better, but in reality, I'm going to have to pour this some bitch out and I don't like pouring out beer cuz that's not a that's not a Dak and Dave thing. So, if I could here my partner would probably help me take it down because he also does not like to waste beer, but you're in Kansas, my friend. So in Kansas, tell me what you're drinking. Yeah. Sometimes I think breweries just try too hard. Yeah. Like, mm. Just make good beer. It doesn't have to be like some like unicorn, you know, dust, you know, whatever. We don't have to make, passion fruit blood orange like guava like it's all right to be inspired and like do some kind of interesting stuff but like don't take it too far the cinnamon like as soon as that you said the title i was like "Ooh, that's either gonna be really good or it's gonna be really freaking bad but the thing is is it could have been good you know like cinnamon bun right. cool i like the idea Little hint of cinnamon, little bit Spice, of stickiness. Yeah. With right, the spices are there, but it's got a malty backbone. But I can still literally put it in my mouth without like making that face. They failed at it. Yeah. So uh uh me and Dak were together this weekend, as he alluded to. Uh he brought me something that he talked about on the podcast, which was Pipeworks Brewing Company, Crazy Karate Cats. Uh, yeah. which again great name great artwork on the can and it's a blood orange ipa so uh which we have i've had a couple of in the past couple days so i've been able to kind of i guess uh compare it to some other stuff that's out there super good super clean i think probably the best care the best quality of it is that it's crisp but it's not harsh like when you finish because sometimes if you go too heavy on the hops, you know, that finish is very, it's kind of harsh and it makes it less crushable. This is, you know, super easy to drink. You could have like, this is a tall boy. So, but it's going down really quick. So uh, hats off to Pipeworks Brewing Company up there in Chicago. And uh, it's a good beer. Yeah. I appreciate the, uh, the IPA that is drinkable. You know, it does not everything has to be a quadruple freaking hop fest. Um, kind of like we talked about with uh hamster wheel itself, dry hopped pilsner, which you know, light and crushable and and drinky, but super light. Um yeah, yeah and I'm just not I'm just, go ahead. No, no, go shout ahead. out to, shout out to uh to Dak on this one. I had 
hamster wheel, the first batch of hamster wheel at this weekend. Phenomenal. And oh, I've yeah. been, yeah. it's turned me on big time to dry hopping. I've looked for a couple other dry hop beers because I think it gives it a whole different quality that I haven't quite experienced before. So uh good beer, you know, once we get the drink and think, uh, the drink a drink brewery started up and uh, we'll be mm. good to go. I like it. Yeah. All right. So you. I'm not a huge IPA fan. Uh, I never really have been. Don't mind one. I'll take one every now and then. Um, I feel like it's kind of an acquired palate, especially like when you've been just been <laughs> fucking drinking light beer straight through college, like, because that's all you could afford. And then, after that, I just really got into ambers and, and never really jumped on the like sours or, um, you know, it, like stouts or pale ales or anything like that. But I mean, I'll, I'll venture out every now and then, but I, I'm, I'm, I just, I tried and true. And I've gotten lucky the last two weeks to have a, have a damn good pair of ambers. So it's going to, I mean, the luck's going to run out, but anyway. And so I'll the, say two uh, points Toyota for that. four runner. Yeah. Oh, it makes sense. It all wraps circles back. Ah, I love, dude. I fucking love my Toyota 4Runner. I'll fucking drive the piss out of that beast. Mm. You've seen pictures of it. That thing's sexy as fuck. Don't God, I love lie. picking up a yeah. six pack of Ambers in my Toyota 4Runner. Fit the whole softball movie. team. Fit the yes. whole softball team inside of it. Oh, uh, I did. Well, I had, geez, I had two <laughs> points here. I was going to say if you stick around long enough. I'll convince you to to try some other stuff. Um, that's too easy. I can't. I can't. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when I see you in a couple, like, what, a month? And then after that, yeah. and a month after that, I'm going to I'm gonna make you try some, some unique beers. So uh, I get that. I'm an amber guy, too. I like light crushable beers, but there is a whole world out there. I'm going to talk about my beer. Johnny O's not into the stouts and IPAs and all this other stuff yet. Guinness. Yet. Yeah. Okay. I'm not, I actually, I'm not a big fan of Guinness, but uh, there's a whole world of beer out there. Comma. One day we will get into that. The beer I just brewed a few days ago is maybe the quintessential Johnny O beer. Mm. It is. Uh, it's going to be some form of ale, but it's going to be a light, crushable kind of ale. So uh, the grain bill is, I, I use 33.333%. Continuing, no, repeating. No, repeating, of course. No, oh, golly. You don't remember the Leroy Jenkins video? Oh, I said repeating. Fucking legendary. Dude, yeah. Uh, re- repeating, of course. So it's 33.333%. Repeating, of course. Of German pills, classic two row, and then Vienna malt. And so those three malts are just like, just lay it on me right up mm. the alley, clean, crisp, crushable kind of beer. And then right all I did alley. was with, with hop it. All I did was, all I did was hop it with sots, uh, very light. Uh, I think I used for five gallons, I used 1.25 ounces of sots hops. Uh, and then I kind of used a Kolsch like strain there, like a German Kolsch strain. So it should be just the most crushable, mm. um, kind of 
ale that you can find. So uh, give me two weeks. We'll talk about it in real time. Um, maybe I will, you know, keister one and, and fly it out to you in Fort Lauderdale when I see you in a month. And then Dave, okay. I don't, I think I'll see you. I don't know soon enough. So moving on. Well, I've been wanting to try your beers. Yes. I, also, I love Kolsch's. Okay. Okay. Many, See, that's not an amber ale. It's not, but it's very crushable. I love Kolsch's. Probably my favorite beer on the planet, actually. Well, I, I, when you were talking about yours on one of your episodes, I was like, damn, this sounds good. You're like, yeah, you know, at 160, I'm dropping in this, and 135, I'm dropping in that, and that's going clean over my head. But all I'm hearing is like, crushable Kolsch, like, pour me another. Like, let's yep. go. All right, so uh, I well, yeah, I'll bring you one in a month or so. So let's talk some football, boys. What do you say? Um, before you know, like we said, this this week is all football. It's uh, obviously playoff week. We're moving into the divisional rounds, but before we get into that, let's knock off some uh, some notable notes of the week. And so let's talk non playoff, but still football talk with the boys. So John, lead us off. You got a couple of notes. I know you've been eager to talk about OBJ. Yeah, I don't know if you guys watched the video. Um, I watched the whole thing, wasted like 15 minutes of my life um, of the body cam footage of the, I believe it was firemen slash EMTs um, coming onto the plane. And I mean, this dude, I already didn't like him for how he handled himself on the field. You know, I don't know if you remember the whole thing with him getting down on one knee and proposing to the freaking kicker's net and like all that BS. Um, OBJ has just always seemed like a very entitled, very self-centered, selfish, like it's all about me athlete. Um, And this video just proves it. So in the video, he's sitting on the plane, okay? And the their plane's trying to take off. They're on the runway. They don't take off because the flight attendant comes over, tries tries to wake him up in first class to get him to put his seatbelt on. His pants are at his ankles. So he's just in his boxers and he's got a jacket on. So she doesn't want to reach across him to buckle him up because his pants are down. So she can't wake him up. So they taxi the plane back to the terminal. And by the time they get EMTs on the plane and the video starts on the body cam footage, all you see is him with his pants up already and like wide awake and he's fine. But allegedly he was partying all night. So how, how do you how do you know for the people that will ask, how do you know that his pants were down? So the the uh, flight attendants were telling the EMTs like his pants like away from him. Okay, so like, testimony that you've seen test. Yeah, I. This is okay. what they this is what they're telling the EMTs as the EMTs are getting on the plane. Like, hey, his gotcha. pants are his pants are down, he's unresponsive. Like anyway, the moment the EMTs get on the plane and they get up to OBJ, his pants are up and he's awake, but he's still unbuckled. So his testimony is like, I was partying all night and I came straight here, like straight to the plane. Um, but anyway, they're sitting there and they're offering him, like, hey. You just need to like put your seatbelt on, man. Like this isn't that hard. Like just put your seatbelt on. Like you're fine. Like are you good? They're checking him out, and the crew at this point is like not comfortable with getting up in the air. This is in Miami. They're not comfortable with getting up in the air with him being like intoxicated. So they're like, we want him off the plane. 
Well, he's like, I'm not moving. So they're like, well, we're going to have to deboard the whole plane and then get the whole plane back on board. So once we've deboarded, he's going to be off the plane. So he's like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. And they're like, well, sir, we're going to have to deboard the plane. So everybody gets off the plane, like luggage, everything, like overhead bins are emptied. Like some guy on his way out's like, hey, man, like starts talking to him and classless OBJ is like, you ugly ass, fat ass, like just ripping this old white dude. And then has the balls to ask the EMTs like, hey, when I get off the plane, like just make sure I don't walk past that guy. And he's telling this old white guy, like, yeah, in 40 minutes, I'll be on a private jet. Like, hey, man, I need to get my Louis luggage out the out the overhead because, you know, my kid's breast milk is in there. And like all this. I mean, it was just it was terrible. It was a horrible image. I, I know that was a long winded uh, depiction of what's going on. But the EMTs, everybody knew it was him. Like everybody on the body cam footage was like, yeah, man, that's OBJ. Like. And all I could think about was if he's drunk, you know, you always hear the the saying like drunk thoughts are, or no, sober thoughts are drunk words or whatever. Like his actions that, are just like a, like a depiction of what he is sober, but he's holding back. Your truest self. Yeah. Yes. I, I've seen a lot of things. So I, yeah, I, I watched the clip, but it was, you know, the abbreviated version. And then so, uh, I, I I clicked into the comments because once again that whole rabbit hole. I know I'm not gonna like what I see. It's gonna make my blood boil. But damn it, Dak, here we go. And so you click into them, and then it's like people defending this kind of behavior. And it's like, well, you didn't see the whole video, and so it's go back and forth. Well, I did see the whole video, and dude's still a dickhead. And so you you know everyone's gonna have an opinion as far left and as far right as you can be because it's 2023. Got it right, Dave. Got the date right. Suck it. There you go. Good and, job, bud. And people can put their opinion on the internet in a matter of seconds. And so you are going to see the full spectrum of what people believe. And uh, yeah, at the end of the day, man, I don't know. I, is this uh, is this an entitled moment? Is this I was just speaking the truth? And you know, this has been this has been me my whole life. Is this you know? I even saw like, oh, the, the A, B, C, T, E talk. Here we go. I got knocked silly one too many times. Right. Uh, but then I, you know, I, then I also saw multiple times over and over again was like, hey, man, if you didn't make that one handed catch, OBJ, your career isn't shit. So be thankful you are where you are. Interested to hear your take, Dave. Yeah, it's this is a tough one because on the one hand, um, it, the 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 video is quite clear as Johnny O laid out. I mean, he is just a completely he's belligerent. He just doesn't you know he doesn't care about other people. I mean, you're you're you are delaying hundreds of people from this plane, and then whoever's getting on the next one. I will say, keep in mind though, one snippet of a video does not express everything. We've seen that also in our past. We see you know, 30 seconds. And then immediately we think this is a whole situation. So I don't, you know, take that for what it's worth. I, I, we saw a lot of footage. Um, and so keep going. Don't want to interrupt you. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but at the same, at the same point, uh, he is a person who is kind of 
this is the space that he's always kind of lived in for his career, certainly his professional career. Uh, the, um, you know, he lived on basically the one-handed catches and then just doing crazy stuff off the field. I mean, the Giants just broke, talking about superstitions, just broke this year the yacht curse of going on, you know, going to Mexico and getting everyone on a yacht uh, before the playoffs. And then they they have lost every single playoff game since uh, until this year. So um, he that's the kind of space that he's operated in. So does it surprise me? No, probably not. I, on a, my only thing that I do kind of feel for him is, is that uh, football is this guy's like kind of everything, right? I mean, it's everything that he's ever lived and ever really done. And he, you know, had the bad injury in the Super Bowl, wins the Super Bowl ring with the Rams, uh, but hasn't been able to get back to that. And listening to some other players who have talked about that transition from realizing that the sport that you've done your in, since you were five and everything you've worked for is over, that transition is is very difficult. And I, I liken that to like veterans who get out of the military after their entire life and then that transition as well. So I do definitely, I feel for him from that perspective. Yeah. Um, Oh, John, go ahead. No, 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 you go. You're good. I'm going to kind of slightly get off topic. If yours is. Okay. So I think if you're trying to resurrect your career, following an injury this is the worst way that you can make an appearance to any potential teams like hey let me trash talk a random guy leaving the plane and tell him that i could be on a private jet in 40 minutes while you guys are stuck reboarding the plane you don't know if that guy was going to his sister's funeral and now he missed his connecting flight in dallas right You've got hundreds of people getting off the plane and you're that selfish that you're like, yeah, deboard the whole thing in order for me to get it off. And then you want to be escorted and treated like the, the entitlement reeks, like the behavior just irritated the shit out of me. I've heard stories about him being selfish in the team environment and nothing that is the worst image that you could possibly portray to any potential team looking to sign you. And, and I didn't like it at all. And frankly, like, yeah, I I know football is everything to, you know, to Dave's point to this guy, but if football is everything, then, you know, all the guys with cameras on their chest in that plane, like that, that video is going viral. Like you should have known to carry yourself in a better manner, especially around potential fans of the sport. And congratulations to him. He made his millions, but I think any team would be absolutely stupid to sign this guy. I think that's a great, great point. And let me, let me start off by saying this. Anyone, anyone who has to realize there's a camera around to do the right thing, isn't doing the right thing. So let's remember that integrity thing, right? So like, I'm going to I'm going to do the right thing because it's the right thing not because people are watching, right? And so like it just makes me think like geez, man, like why couldn't I have been a famous athlete? Like I, you know, 
would love to be on the spotlight, make millions of dollars and actually make a difference. Instead of deboarding an entire plane, like let me give a million dollars to people who, you know, can't fly because of X, Y, and Z, you know, like there's so many platforms to stand up for. And instead you're going to point at yourself and say, look at me, me, me. And so like, I've said this several times, like humble pie, man, like everybody needs to take a slice and just fucking cram it down their pie hole. Right. Like, uh, I, I hate that that is what's in the news and what we're talking about right now. Like, I love to see the player that picks up the dude who knocked over the cameraman. You know, I love to see the guy who, who gives back to a charity organization. Um, you know, Damar Hamlin, like great point or great case. Uh, you know, I love to see the guy who's in the media, like just giving back to the media. Who's a good dude, you know, like kindness is free. I don't know how many times I have to say this on the podcast, but uh shit like this just boils my blood man like there's no no reason for it and so i I hate to see dudes that are just not genuine in the spotlight i last thing i'll say is in the off season i heard a lot about how he was talking about how he wanted to set an example for his son and to me if you're trying to set an example for your son like and then you do this within nine months of like this Super Bowl victory where you're just like, I want to start fresh. I want to start new. I want to be this new man. Like, and then you do this where you just treat people like crap. Like you want to make this right. Public apology, pay for everybody's flight on that entire aircraft. Like you, you need, you need to, to somehow change this image of what you've just done. But to your point, totally agree. Like love to see, players doing good things on and off the field because kids look up to that like kids don't kids are looking up to you because you are in a spotlight and and i just hate that he did that it 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 irritates me yeah and i think you know it is a part of the game that is disappointing because by and large um, when you read a lot of the stories, there is a lot of really good things that NFL players do and college players too, but certainly in the NFL that these players do and a lot of uh, a lot of change that they're trying to make, a lot of causes they have personal vested interest in and they are like using their personal money to to make happen. It doesn't definitely does not we'll never get, see it. It doesn't get the notoriety that it probably should. Yep. Uh, because honestly, you know, the news cycle, bad news travels, you know, halfway around the world before the truth can get its pants up, uh, type thing. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's disappointing. Certainly. Uh, I agree, uh, with Johnny O, uh, there's a way to make this right, or at least to admit that you were wrong. And I think that's definitely a step that he should take. I uh I completely agree. Well said, co-host. Uh, one thing let's transition to while we're at it. So speaking of uh, keeping your pants up, I know one guy that can't keep his pants up when we're talking about Dabo Sweeney, and that's old Johnny O. So mm, uh, we got some coaching coaching moves in uh, college and the NFL. But quickly, let's dive into OC or uh, to uh, the OC moves in. Uh, Clemson world. Johnny, I'll take us away. Very suspect. Within a 12-hour period, not only do you fire your 
one year offensive coordinator who is a um who is a an alumni of Clemson came back to his alma mater to coach Brand Streeter Brandon Streeter right okay to me the problem was DJ Ungalelele and the son bitch hit the portal and went to Oregon State so problem solved but you got a fan base that's a bunch of fucking whiners and think they deserve to be in the same conversation as Ohio State, Michigan, and the SEC every year. And so naturally, your fan base has bred a bunch of Bible-thumping complainers. And look, they hit a home run with Garrett Riley. I hate that they hit the home run with Garrett Riley. It's weird. It's weird that he went there, in my opinion. I don't know, dude. That's odd. Shocking. Shocking. But you got to imagine that within 12 hour period, not only do you fire your OC, but you hire another one that something was cooking on the back burner behind his back. Yeah. I, this is kind of old news, but with you on here, I just felt like we should definitely going, uh, we should definitely bring it up because you know, your love for Clemson and Dabo. So uh, honest to goodness, I didn't know Garrett Riley was the OC for TCU before this season. I don't, I don't know that anyone did. And even in those that were in football. And so, um, you know, we're used to hearing Lincoln, Lincoln, Lincoln. And so now, Hey, Garrett Riley's making moves. And so he's moving to Clemson. Obviously you don't think that's the right move, but we'll, we'll see what's going on. I, I think I'm going to go the opposite way. I think this is a fantastic move for, for both teams. Uh, so I don't, I, as I don't really know, I, I saw how bad Clemson's offense was. And DJ, yeah, he was probably a large part of that. But Brandon Streeter also wasn't able to really put a a coherent plan together that would that revolved around the skills that DJ had, which is running, not throwing. Um, so, uh, and yeah, it's 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 a it's bad business. I agree to like fire a guy and hire a guy in the same day. Um, but at the same time, I think this is a great hire for Clemson, uh, to try to get back to the, Hey, let's get back to the, the days when we were scoring 40 plus. And then for Garrett Riley, I mean, you think there's obviously there are more prestigious programs that he could go to, but there's not many. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Definitely more prestigious programs than Clemson to go to, but there's not many, like you would say me, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, uh, Michigan, maybe, but so, Clemson, Southern Cal, Notre Dame. I mean, I, the list goes on. I don't know if the list goes on that far. Uh, so <laughs> I will, I will I'll disagree, and I say for Garrett Riley, this is a great jumping off point because if he can go there and have kind of a turnaround season, right? He can go there, mm-hmm. and Clemson's offense can really revitalize itself. Then you will see him as the next big hire. You and I talked about this offline, Dave, uh, and I, I thought you made a great point. I was like, you know, initially, and I completely agree with you with what you said. I was like, man, TCU, dude, was in the national championship game. TCU talked about left and right everywhere. Uh, granted, did not score a lot of points in the natty, but made it to the dance, got his name out there. I mean, we're talking about Garrett Riley right now. And I was like, why would he leave TCU? And you made a great point in saying that, hey, TCU may have had a, a one-off thing. They they rode the bus and, you know, is this a rebuild year next year? Will they make it back that far? 
clearly Clemson is the more perennial team there that has a better shot at running the ACC than TCU does the Big 12. And so, hey, he saw an opportunity. He's going to jump ship to a team that he can continue to rise. And then, obviously, uh, we would assume his ambitions were to be a uh, head coach one day. And so I, I, I think it's a smart move. I, I do not disagree with you there that, that uh, going to Clemson was a smart move. It is. I mean, the guy's going to make $1.6 a year. He's He is going to be on a proven team that's traditionally been running a terrible Power 5 conference for the last decade. So, <laughs> however, you've, not got, wrong. you've got Florida State, who's in who's in the up-and-coming. Um, oh, no. Miami's making huge moves in the recruiting world, uh, Mar- which I got to give it to Mario Cristobal for the less-than-average season, but – it's great, great move for for Garrett Riley. Um, recently, this week, there was a small sports radio uh, that tweeted out at basically said like, "Oh, poor Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks. They were going after Garrett Riley, and Shane just fucking ripped him to shreds and was like, I 'I didn't. I've never heard of your JV radio show before. Like, who's your source other than me?'" Like we, we were never after him, but I'm certainly proud and happy for him. Cause he used to obviously work under Lincoln at Oklahoma. Um, and then he was just like, we got our guy. And I, I, I just loved the response to that. So. That's leadership anyway. right there. We got our guy. Yep. So, all right. Continuing with the coaching changes, but kind of a bridge between the college and NFL world. Uh, your boy Cliff Kingsbury, which I typically am high on, but John was like, "I hey, that was a great fire." Uh, homeboy said he's buying a one-way ticket to Thailand. Now, is he actually going to Thailand, or is his ass going back to college? Takes boys. I think he's going to be one of the um, one of those hires that, like, you know, programs are going to be like, "Oh, let's go out and get this guy. He coached the NFL." But going to Johnny O's point last week. Mediocre career at Texas Tech, mediocre career in the NFL. So he will definitely get hired again. He will definitely get hired again. He is somebody that is going to probably um, potentially try to attract some good recruits, decent recruits, just because he comes from the NFL. And he's a quarterback coach, right? So he may be able to pull that five-star quarterback that that program wants. But uh, ultimately, yeah, he's going back to college. I got real, like, real, like, I'm a kid being punished vibes. Like, I'm going to get a one-way ticket to Thailand and just give you all the finger. and Listen to Taylor Swift the whole way. Yeah, listen to Taylor Swift, go take pictures of my model girlfriend and like mm. wallow in my sorrows while I'm wiping my tears with my $30 million that the Cardinals are going to owe me over the next four years. Like who, frankly, I don't give a damn where he goes. You know, he probably should go back to college, but I'm sure he's gotten numerous phone calls from across the league. Um, he's, he's going to be average. He's been average. He's proven he's average. He's just going to be average. Yeah, speaking of average, uh, the Chargers thought, oh, Joe Lombardi and their quarterback coach were average because they fired their ass after that wolf. That was a bad uh, 
loss in the Chargers that we'll talk about later. So Joe Lombardi, I mean, household name. You think he's going to be a head coach one day, but recently let go from the Chargers. Thoughts, boys? Yeah, to me, this is a wrong fire. Because at the end of the day, there's only one person that is responsible when a team folds in that manner. Up 27 to nothing against a, quite honestly, relatively, you know, unpowerful or, you know, weak, unpowerful. Average team. Our average average team. team. Yeah. Like, how are you not firing Brandon Staley? I mean, I got it. He is he has had like the Chargers have had quote unquote successful regular seasons behind him, but you're gonna hang it out on the quarterback coach and Joe Lombardi. Like it's not Joe Lombardi's job to like keep the team focused. Like not only did they they I mean the team just checked he out. He got you twenty seven points. He got you twenty seven points and a half. Twenty twenty seven points yeah. at halftime, four turnovers. That's- you know, it's like how are you know, it's just that that is a head coach's job to keep the team engaged, to say, hey, the scoreboard zero zero. Let's get back out there, boys. Didn't do it. And guess what? It cost him. So uh, Brandon Staley, you know, y'all guys can have him. But that that loss and I was telling other people this today, that loss will haunt the Chargers franchise for years. I mean, think about this. The Atlanta Falcons are still not over like anytime anyone goes up or Atlanta Falcons go up on anyone someone is bringing up the 28 to 13 or 28 to 3 23 yep yeah Yeah. they're Uh, gonna bring it up like that's gonna haunt the Chargers for a decade I mean this was the uh third largest postseason comeback ever in the NFL for postseason games you got you know 90 92 Bills, 32 points over the Oilers. You got 2013 Colts came back 20, 28 points over the Chiefs. And then you got this game that we just witnessed last weekend, uh, 27 points. 27 points against, like you said, frankly, an average team. I mean, you know, does Sunshine have some some talent in his arm? Absolutely. The dude can crush. But is he four, four the picks kinda, in the first half? And, you know, to his credit, to his absolute credit, after throwing four interceptions, most dude are tucking their head between their legs with their gorgeous blonde hair, and they're calling it a day. And he did not. He came back and won a football game. So props to him at the end of the day. Props to Sunshine. But, but, there's a big but there. To allow a 27-point comeback. In the NFL, this is in college. Need I remind you, this is the NFL where the best of the best come to play. This is this isn't just the NFL. This is a playoff game where the best of the best of the NFL come to play. And you're allowing a 27 point deficit to be wiped away. Yeah, I agree. That is a momentum thing. That is a head coaching thing. There is nothing Joe Lombardi could do from the box to stop what happened and what we saw last weekend. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, and to Dave's point, you know, and to your point as well, it's it's a head coaching issue. And to me, that just makes uh, Doug Peterson look even that that much better of a head coach. Like, I don't know if you saw the the uh, reporter go up to him right before they went into the locker room and like, what do you tell your team? And he's like, we just got to keep chipping away at it. 
Like we're, we just gotta, we gotta keep chipping and keep chipping and we're going to get there. And that's what they did. I mean, they, they chipped away one touchdown with, you know, one touchdown at a time, but again, with second and third tier wide receivers getting paid $70 million a piece, but that's neither here nor there, <laughs> you know, and that fourth down play where they ran ETN out wide, like whew, gutsy sack. call, but sack. I mean, sack for days, baby, drag it out. But I totally agree. Like that's not a Joe Lombardi thing. That's not a QB coach thing. Yep. Like you're up 27 points in the first half and you can't hold the damn lead. Like to me, that's a defense thing. Like you, you can't, you can't prevent the Jaguars from scoring 30 points in a half. Like it, it, that, that whole game just not only did it irritate me because I was texting you at the beginning of the game when they're going up three scores, I'm like, it's over like six for six, baby called them all right. And, and then they just stunk it up in the second half. And I went five for six. Yeah, but because they because they turned around at halftime and they made adjustments, or did they? Because Peyton Manning, if you listen to the Monday night game, those don't exist. So I'm interested to hear takes on that because obviously Peyton Manning knows a lot more about football than I do, and he especially knows a lot more about a locker room and you know what happens in that situation than the three of us do combined in our pinky toe kind of thing, you know, you know, and so. He said on his uh, show with his uh, lesser talented and, and likable brother that halftime adjustments really don't exist and that teams really don't have time to do that. And, you know, they're in there, they take a piss, they're like, hey, high five, let's get her done. And then they go back to play football. So, Dave, what's your take on that? Uh, do you think do you think that such an animal? No, I, I totally agree. This is a commentator made up thing. There are, I mean, and if you've played like, and I'll just say this, if you've played any sport at at like a competitive level. I thought you were about to say, if you've played Madden again, I'm like, dude, we got to cut the Madden talk. People are going to think we're phony. I I mean, how much time do you spend? No, I would say if you played any competitive sport. Press start, damn it. Halftime's over. (laughs) But if you've played any competitive sport, like there is, it's not like you can go in and number one there, you have like hours to like re go through stuff and like, Hey, you missed this here and there. Like, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll liken it to the best thing that I can, which is, you know, just, uh, you know, fighting against somebody else, like fighting against an enemy. If you wait until halftime, you've already lost. Like if you're waiting and be like, God, oh boy, I wish we could change this offense around, but fuck, I can't. Well, I gotta wait till halftime. Always you know, thought like, the same thing. Yep. It it's like, no, as when the offense comes off the field and we gotta recock and be like, hey, guess what? We're not running the ball. We're gonna have to do something else. You're doing it right then. You're not waiting till like, fuck, we gotta wait till halftime because you know, I can't talk to him unless he's eating his orange slices or whatever. Like that doesn't that doesn't exist. It's completely made up by sports analysts. That want to say like, oh, look how how much different this team is coming out in the second half. But yeah, you have this huge break. There's a momentum that completely stops, and now it's up to one team to grab that momentum back. And sometimes it's the team that's losing. The interesting thing too, one point one, I would like to say we should run the stats on that. Like how many offenses come out and change the game in the second half completely? Two, 
that's to say that you go into the locker room and you only have a positive mental attitude and effect on the offense, right? So, like, we're losing in the first half. The offense comes out and makes points, put on the board, let's go, offense is winning, and now we're winning the game. So that that is on the, the assumption that on the other side of the field that the defensive guys are just like, ah, hey, we got her done, boys, take a nap, you know, let's go. Let's go eat our orange slices in peace because nothing else matters. And so, yeah, I completely agree. I think that, you know, to to have this illusion that both sides aren't just doing their thing. I'm sure there are some words said, but, yeah, the guy in the booth that's like, hey, can't call it in. I don't see coach eye to eye. I'm not calling it in. I got this thing. We're doing this thing. Ah, shit. We got another quarter till we can talk about it. Yeah, it's 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 uh, delusional. I completely agree. Johnny O? The way I know that halftime adjustments don't exist is uh because the Cowboys kicker couldn't make <laughs> shit in the first half. Okay. All right. And, <laughs> and he also go. couldn't make shit in the second half. All right. Let's so, get into last week. I like it. Let's go. You got an entire halftime to come out with a couple minutes to to go ahead and sling a few at the at the goalposts, you know, to warm up. And you still can't make shit. I mean hey going off of what Peyton Manning said, you know, I mean, you saw, I don't know if you saw the Eli and Peyton uh, commentary on Monday night football with, you know, they're watching the game. And after like the third PAT, literally Peyton gets up and is like, I saw, yeah, I did gotta be fucking kidding me. Like go for two. And then you see, and then it cuts to like Dak, Dak on the field. Yep. And Dax, you can lip read, and he's like launching his helmet, like, go for fucking two. And I, at part of me agrees, but part of me is also like, dude, you need to shut your mouth on the sideline. Like, you, you don't be yelling that to the rest of the team. That's not your fucking job. Like, leave that to the coaches. You don't want to throw any men of your team under the bus. Um, but that's just my thought, Dak. Leadership, leadership, leadership. This, I'm not a Mike McCarthy fan. Never have been. I don't, I think uh, Dave me will agree with either. me here. Yep. Uh, I like this decision, right? So, one, if you say, hey, dipshit, you're not kicking well, we're going to put the backup kicker in or we're going to go for two. Completely deflates his power base, his, you know, his ability to go out and perform as an athlete. Secondly, this isn't a tight game. You were beating mm-hmm. the brakes off of Tom Brady, right? Different scenarios would result different decisions. This was a Mike McCarthy saying, hey, I'm looking out for future mayor and saying next week he needs to make PATs. And so I'm going to mm-hmm. keep kicking until his confidence comes back a little. He goes, hey, I do remember how to do this, guys. And so if he would have benched him, I think that could have had second and third order effects going into next week's game. But because they had that nice lead, that was a leadership decision on Mike McCarthy's behalf to say, hey, hey, send that shit. You do you, baby. You figure you out because we're going to need you next week. So I mm. like the call. I think it was I think it was brilliant. I agree. Um, I wouldn't going to disagree. Uh, I think of course you provi- this is a tell me about your Cowboys, game. Dave. Uh, this this hey it's a professional game like we all have bad we all have bad games right but this is a different level of bad you know and and i i don't i i i agree that you don't like cut the guy and you don't say because you know that he's got like you know that he's talented 
But at some point, you got to recognize that, hey, this isn't his game. Guess who else kicks field goals on that team? The punter. The punter kicks extra points every single week because you never know if the kicker is going to get injured. Put the fucking punter out there to kick field goals because, yes, you're up this much, but you know what else? We just saw a team that was up 27 to nothing, and then the other team came back. And but it won. didn't happen, though. It little didn't point, happen. You're right, but that's because. But little points matter. Like yeah. four points, that's a touchdown difference. Hey, little points are going to matter next week, too. But yeah, there no, was, I, I, I agree. There was you don't cut like, him. Right. It was like a it was like a three point or I mean a three score game. Like right. I'm saying. Quarter. I'm saying. Like kick your way out of the funk, bro. Yep, that's exactly that. Well said. I'm saying if you bench his ass and you put the punter in, yeah, you score an extra two points that he would have missed. But now the funk continues into divisional week. And so that's a bigger animal that you don't want to chew on. Professional yeah. or not, I think you have to acknowledge like, hey, people come and go. And and I, all I'm saying is that was a – I think that was a good leadership decision by the coaching staff to say – Hey, brother, you're a part of the Cowboys. You're our our organization. You go work out you right now because we got a little cushion because Tom Brady's old and he's getting traded. Yeah. You got the yeah. yips. Kick your way out of it. What? <laughs> Whoa, sorry. No, you got the yips. Kick your way out of it, man. We're 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 killing it. We're we're beating the goat. Uh speaking of the yips and people that need to stop yipping is uh JK Dobbins. You like that transition? Just came over that one. Uh, J.K. Dobbins following the Bengals loss, or the, the excuse me, the yep. Ravens loss to the Bengals, like throws Huntley under the bus. I liked how he kind of gave um, Lamar Jackson like a little boost, like, hey, give this dude the bag. But I also don't like how he threw Huntley under the bus in doing so by saying, like, Basically, hey, I didn't get enough touches. Okay, you should have given me more touches, and maybe we could have won the game. Uh, so the Zeke gonna... effect. That, that was Zeke. That was Zeke. That was Zeke in college. It pissed me off. That's why I don't like Zeke to this day. I'm going to go Sorry. the opposite I route. Is I don't think he was throwing Huntley under the bus. I think he was throwing the coaches under the bus, and I totally agree. You put your the quarterback – in a terrible position, you're who is coming in in this hostile environment that's trying to keep up and do everything he can to make it happen. And that one play, and it's really, it really comes down to that one play, but like it, it's the, it, you know, go over to the Seattle Seahawks and say, why didn't you give beast mode the ball? And obviously JK Dobbins is not beat is he's not Marshawn Lynch, but like it, it wasn't fourth and one. Like, give J.K. Dobbins a shot to put it in the end zone. Don't put your your backup quarterback in that position to make, and he makes a terrible decision. I, I mean, okay, I, I there, I think there's a fine line in college sports. I think it's different, but in professional sports, I think you you should be able to call out people and say, "Hey, we needed more from you." In my opinion, I don't think that's bad. I think that's a part of it. Obviously, if you're just doing it just to gain media attention, then that's that's not very good. But I think that it was a great point. Like, don't put it in that guy's hands. Put it in somebody that's 
trained in that position to go. Totally agree with you in that regard. Um, I also thought, so I flipped on uh, the herd on FS1 today and I sent Dak this video because I couldn't fucking believe it. But Colin Cowherd gets on there and it's like, where should Lamar go? Um, you know, Baltimore would be crazy if they don't sign this guy. Like, do they have deep enough pockets? Like literally saying exactly what we said last week. And they're like, where's the best fit for him? And literally off the bat, right off the bat, New Orleans Saints. Like they don't have a quarterback. They got Chris Olave. I mean, he's, he's like, they got a great running back. Like they got deep pockets down there in New Orleans. The dudes from Florida. I was like, holy shit. They fucking watch our podcast. So <laughs> I, I thought that was, that was really cool. Um, that, uh, you know, one of our takes basically got repeated on, on, uh, the herd. Fair points. Um, so, Johnny O, you brought up the Niners. Let's just move into this week. Um, you've got a team that you said is good on both sides of the ball. I completely agree. Niners are scary, and props to him for having Purdy do what he's done, man. Like, it, it, it he looked like a seasoned all-pro quarterback last week. He was he was moving to the right, throwing crossbody while midair. Like, he, I mean, he looked, he looked so good. And so – uh, you got dudes on both sides of the ball in the Niners, but then you've got a this season a storage defense who's getting it done. But oh wait, they put up points against Tom Brady on the offensive side of the ball as well. So let's talk about the matchup this week in the divisional round of the NFC between the Cowboys and the Niners. Three and a half to the Niners over under forty six. Dave, take it away. Tell me about your boys. Yeah, I don't like it. Uh, I said at the beginning of this that the last team – I would have rather had faced Philly than I went to the 49ers. Uh, Interesting. And, dude, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan is a phenomenal, phenomenal coach. Uh, phenomenal. Especially, especially in the playoffs. So, 5-2 and two in the playoffs, 3-0 and oh straight up and against the spread at home. And yep. the Cowboys are just over 500 on the road this year. I mean, this line to me says, I think it's it's playing too much into were the Cowboys really good last week, or were the were the Buccaneers that freaking bad? And I'm leaning towards the Buccaneers for that freaking bad. And trust me, guys, like I am a Cowboys fan, like to the core. I want to see it happen so bad. And I, I just this is this is our and the Cowboys have a great record against the 49ers, except in the playoffs. Right. So it, it, I think everything here points to the Niners getting it done. I think the question is for the big thing for the Cowboys is, can you put the put the game in Brock Purdy's hands and make it difficult for him? Because that's something that. Uh, teams have you haven't really seen him struggle yet. What is he going to do if he throws a pick or he has a fumble, strip sack from from right. Parsons yep. or whatever? Like how does he bounce back? So let's see, let's see how that works. So that that would be the key: is the Cowboys have to take Christian McCaffrey out of the game, take the running game out of the game, take all the fancy movement and all the shifts the on the on the offensive line and everything out and make. Brock Purdy sit back in the pocket and throw. I think they got a chance. If they're unable to do that, 
49ers got it in the bag. Yeah, I feel like immediately when they're game planning this, they sit down at the round table and they go, smash CMC at the line. If we shut down the line, we put the ball in Brock Purdy's hands. Is he the dude? Well, he's probably not the dude, at least proven-wise, that CMC is, right? So that I guarantee you that's their game plan. Dallas's defense is phenomenal. Micah Parsons is a dude. I still love Leighton Vander Esch. They've got a great defense. They've proved it, right? Especially in the box. And so when you smash the running back, who is a phenomenal running back, and that is your game plan from the get-go, where are you going to go with it? Well, you're gonna you're gonna make you're gonna make Brock Purdy scramble and you're gonna have to throw the football. And so that's I can't wait for that. That's gonna be a hell of a football game. We've seen the stats on Diggs. Like the guy gets interceptions. But if you've also seen some of the plays that he's literally let fly right by him into the end zone, he also lets by a ton of touchdowns. So totally agree with you, Micah Parsons, late Van Der Esch. I think they've got just a, a great defense, and it's going to be really interesting to see these two teams play. And I think it's it's really hard for me to make a pick right off the bat because you've got a rookie quarterback at the 49ers. Like, yeah, he shows signs of of greatness, but I've also heard – Unproven. Uh, he's unproven, and I've heard a couple of people saying, like, maybe this kid's catching lightning in a bottle, and, like, he's really not as good as we think he is. Um, But I think all rookies are not as good as we think they are, right? Like, they all come out – with issues and they're still trying to learn the league because it, it is very different from college to the NFL. Um, the things that we know about this game, right? We know Dallas can run the football. Like you've got Zeke, you've got Tony Pollard. And if you watch the game against the Buccaneers, Dak was, he was hitting his, his three-step drops, his five-step drops, planning his foot, making a decision like looking off safeties, like he looked, he looked awesome. And I don't know if that was more of of the Buccaneers really needing DBs or if it was Dak coming into his own as a starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, maybe a combination of the two, but this, this matchup I think is the toughest one to call for me for, uh, for the second round of the playoffs. I thought Dak also ran the football really, really well. I thought that his arm looked great, but I thought he scrambled phenomenally. Uh, I thought that was, you know, you said, is it that their defense was really bad or the Cowboys were really good? I thought Dak did a really good job. I thought that was the best quarter-to-quarter football game that I've seen all season from him. Maybe a couple seasons. No, I totally agree. He played phenomenally. I think he only had like six incompletions throughout the whole game. Uh, I will say that the 49ers are going to make his life a lot more difficult uh, with the likes of Nick Bosa getting back there. And, you know, they are they have an ability to pressure the quarterback. And so how is he able to do that? And then on the flip side, it's not even just stopping Christian McCaffrey. That is the problem. It's stopping Christian McCaffrey and stopping Debo Samuel and yeah, stopping Ayuk. Yeah. And like, like they have talent that's just stacked there. And mm. Kyle Shanahan knows if 
hey, if Brock Purdy's struggling, he's going to start running like a wildcat, like crazy shit, like Eiffel Tower type offense. And it is Eiffel Tower, Statue of Liberty type offense. You know, one of those, you know, things. Uh, and it, it, it's it's difficult. It's, it is really, really difficult. They have so much speed. It's difficult to stop. They get to the edge. And um, they are a really difficult team, especially at home. Yeah, it, this is going to be a tough one. If the Cowboys can do this, then I'll start to really, I'll start to really get ready to get disappointed. Well, don't because Niners are going to take today. I like, I like that thought of uh, of Brock Purdy just, you know, three step drop and then just dropping it to Debo or CMC and then just letting them do work. It's it's a scary, it's a scary combination there. So. Uh, I want to get into our definitely probably of the week, but I want to round out the NFC before we do so. So let's get into the last NFC game, and that's uh, the Giants and Philly. Seven and a half to the Philadelphia Eagles, 48 and a half over under. I love me some Brian Dabble. I think the dude is just like, hey, he's coaching a hell of a football team, but I bet he would drink a hell of a beer and probably would enjoy this podcast. So tell me uh, what's coming out of New York Giants and Philly besides the fact that Philly's probably going to win, but I'm hoping that they make a show out of it. All right, yeah. So this one, if the Giants could put together what they did in the beginning of the season with the defense and what they've done in the last couple of games with their offense, they would be a really dangerous team. The question is, point. is, can they do that in one singular game? Uh, obviously, they did a pretty good job against the Vikings, but the Vikings have been overrated this entire season. We have preached that nonstop. Uh, Kirk Cousins is a scrub of a quarterback to begin with, especially when you put the spotlight on him. No matter how many times he wears chains or says, do you like that? He is still a uh, he's still just not that good. The real question revolves around, the bye week for me. How does Philly handle the bye week? On one hand, it gives Jalen Hurts extra time to get healthy. On the other hand, we have seen teams, namely the Cowboys, I have seen teams who have come out flat and lost after the bye week just simply because they lose that rhythm. They they get that extra yeah. week off. They lose that rhythm, that connection in the game. And the Giants have nothing to lose, right? Because no one's expecting you to win. Obviously, favored. They are they're a dog by over a touchdown. Super so good point. I I I I'm really I think if you know Johnny O said the last game was a toss-up. This one for me is a bigger toss-up. Oh, oh Dak just took off. Okay. Hey, John, that was supposed to be you. I was finding chips. Thanks, fuck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a chips you're just gonna eat those in the background <laughs> no i was gonna mute it between my chomping i've been, I've been doing this for 33 episodes what are you talking about i'm i'm looking up right now okay so i believe if i'm not correct the eagles have beat the giant yes they have okay so the eagles have actually beat the the giants twice this season uh one was in december 11th they beat him 48 to 22 and then the other one was um, January the 8th, and they beat them 22 to 16. So terrific matchup. Um, I believe Jalen Hurts was not healthy for the second game because of his shoulder. Correct. 
Um, I think that will be a factor. I do like the way Daniel Jones is playing, the way his whole team has confidence in him, um, the way Saquon Barley, Saquon Barley, Saquon Barkley has been running. You're thinking about that boy, that <laughs> beer boy. Think about that beer, baby. Uh, that delicious fine Pilsner. Um, <laughs> this one's a toss up too. I think the entire NFC, like these, these two games leading into the divisional playoff are such a toss up. Um, it's really hard to pick for me. Like I, I can't point to any, I, that's why I'm so surprised that Philly's like minus seven and a half. Like if you watched Philly's defense in all of December, they looked, they didn't look as end in November, but they just, they didn't look the way they started the season. Like I, I had them on my fantasy team, but Completely I also agree. watched a lot of the NFC East games because I was so intrigued by how the, all four of the NFC East teams were playing. They were playing such good football. They were all in contention for the playoffs. And to me, Philly didn't really like wow me on the defensive end, which is supposed to be one of their like strong um, their strong suits. Like, yes, yeah, Slayton is going to be a stud regardless I, I this one I, I'm shocked Philly or I'm shocked Vegas set the line at minus seven and a half. This one's just a toss-up. Like I love Dable. I love the way that the Giants are playing. And like you said, Dak, like the you got a down week, you got a bye week. Like, are you gonna come out flat? I don't know. Um I you know so I let me say this. I think Philly's going to win this game, hands down, no question. Uh, but the only chance that they don't win this game is because of Jalen Hurts, and not because he messes up. It's because of his health. So I, I think this entire game comes down to the outcome. I completely agree with you. Philly was hot. The whole NFC East was hot. We, you know, early on we're like, oh, NFC beast, man. All these four teams are going to make the playoffs, and then, haha, Commanders, you're, you know, your former team, um, <laughs> you know, sucks the dong again. It's because I think you know bad values equal uh, bad outcomes. You know, Karma's a motherfucker. Commanders get on the get on the uh, doing good train, but uh, that's because Riverboat. To- that's because Riverboat Ron forgot that he had to. That's true. Win <laughs> yeah, to get into Some the playoffs. Bitch. That's Some, right. In the post game presser, looked like a fucking idiot. Like yeah. you get told by one of the the. Dude, uh, I still no, I still believe, I still believe that that was fake. Riverboat Ron is he's the man. I don't know. I do not believe that that he was like, oh wait, what? Like that had to be sarcasm. No, y'all think that was real. I think it was real, man. No way. Like, watch that video. That looks like a genuine reaction. Like, oh, but shit. But he also like, is so stoic that you don't know any kind of reaction that he ever makes. Like, I think he's in your head. I think he's playing you right now, Johnny O. No, dude. He, You make a quarterback change when you're rolling with Taylor Heineke, and then all of a sudden you switch it to – I did to, not like that. Okay, To Wentz in a game where you need to win in order to make it into the playoffs, and then – after the game, immediately someone's like, "Well, th- you know, thanks for playing. Maybe l- good luck next year." And he's like, "Wait, what?" Like, yeah. I- All right, back to, back to yeah. Okay. All right, I digress. I don't know. He's he's a fun Bad guy look. to watch. All right. Uh, NFC beast turned into well, we'll we'll put most of these guys in there. Riverboat Ron wasn't sure where he was. We'll we'll touch on that another day. I do uh, want to. I is- do want to say this. Right, here we go. 
Here we go. About, Here we go. The, about the Eagles. I saw this video earlier. Oh, okay. okay. I saw this video earlier. Boston Scott is okay. like quoted as being like the Giants killer. Like this guy has played eight games against the Giants. He scored nine touchdowns. He scored a touchdown in every single game he's played against the Giants. Hmm. And uh, so I think the the line is like plus three forty five for him to score a touchdown. And so that that's my lock of the week. If you're gonna oh, if you're gonna make go. a lock, now, we'll get, in, we'll get like into that. that. We'll get into that. We typically don't do player props for lock of the week. We'll talk about it later. But you heard it here. That's uh, Johnny O's. I dig that three twenty five on on a forty five three forty five three forty five on a run like that nine touchdowns in eight games. I like that a lot. And he's so, had one in right. every game. Every game he's played the Giants, he scored a touchdown. He's not the see, starting see, running I don't, back. But but you know, Dave likes runs like that. Dave will put money on that. Love I it. get weary about stats like that. You know, so we talk about all runs on big runs on drink and think, but. Just as we saw, hey, Tom Brady, 7-0 against the Cowboys, blah, blah, blah. Look where we are. So, all stats are made to be broken. So, uh, But, nonetheless, hey, a few bucks on a 345 with stats to back it up like that, I'm about it. I'm about it. So, all right, moving on from Giants-Phillies, is Jalen healthy? That's probably the question in everyone's mind. If Jalen is healthy and he comes out kicking ass, all right, see you later, Giants. Philly moves on. There's a reason they're the number one seed. Um, let's get to the AFC where there's some real football happening and the future Super Bowl champion is going to be crowned. So, but before we do that, who is definitely the biggest bust in 2022 NFL season? Probably. So each, each person here gets one take biggest bust 2022. Let's go. Johnny O take us away. Uh, there's really so many. Uh, but the one that sticks <laughs> out of my there's there really is like it's it's bad. Um, the one that sticks out of my mind though has got to be the Colts. Um, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, oh, you're going whole ass team here. I'm going like honestly, you could go one player. Um, I was going one player here. So we we threw this question up, and it it simply said biggest bust 2022. You could have went rookie. You could have went player. You could have went team. So I could see how this would be interpreted multiple ways. So hey, send it. Let's see what you got. So you're going full ass team. I dig it. Yeah, whole team Colts, right? You got a you got a seasoned veteran quarterback coming into a good offense, right? That's been firing on on all cylinders. Jonathan Taylor absolutely had a, an incredible season last year. Took me to the championship, the fantasy championship. Won it last year because of Jonathan Taylor, and I had like the eighth pick in the draft and scooped him, and it was the best decision I made. And then this year, like all I heard was the dude with you got Jonathan Jonathan Taylor Taylor in the eighth pick, like last year. Oh my gosh! Because he had two. He's coming out for injury. I still, I feel like all my other leagues, he was picked up before eighth. That's crazy. He he had like an all-time year last year. Well, then he just stanks the bed this year. Um, <laughs> stanks the I bed. I mean, he he stank it up, man. He the whole team though. Like you're up thirty three to nothing against the Vikings, which I have my thoughts about the Vikings. I mean, eleven victories all within one score. Like, not I. I never thought they were all that. I thought Justin Jefferson was a stud, but the Colts to Fair me, enough. the Colts to me were 
like the biggest letdown because I had higher expectations for them than where they landed. Like I really thought they were going to put up a fight and they just, they kind of rolled over. Um, do I think Jeff Saturday is a good coach? Yes. I think it was a very interesting pick um, by Jim Ursay to, to put Jeff Saturday in that role. I think he fits that role. I think he's a leader of men. Um, I don't know if he will get retained, but uh, definitely a desperation move. I mean, to me, that just proved how desperate the Colts were because they were like, we don't know what the hell to do. We're going to bring in this guy that's only coached in high school. Um, huge disappointment, in my opinion. Um, but that, that, yeah, I'd say that's that's probably my biggest bust. Yeah, so I'm going to go team as well here, but I'm going to go. I think one of the is probably the standout to me is the Rams, right? So okay, reasonable. The yeah, obviously we know that the Super Bowl curse exists. Uh, but I mean, to go through their schedule and just look at the teams that they lost to the Cardinals, you know, they lose to the Saints, they lose to the Bucks, you know, they uh lose to the Texans. Like, it's just, you know, yeah, that was from, bad. Yeah, obviously, from a team that comes off the Super Bowl, there's always the letdown, but everyone knew that they put together the team last year. That was kind of a one-shot wonder Had a lot of seasoned players. Were they going to be able to make it for another season? But this far of a letdown, I mean, we've even seen stuff about Sean McVay. Is he going to get fired? Um, And that is just, and that's, that is a a crazy thing to look at, especially with how high flying they were last year. And, uh, you know, I guess their whole, team runs through Cooper cup. And when he's not there, they can't make it happen. So huge bust out in LA. All right. Perfect transition, Dave. I I appreciate this. Uh, My whole fantasy team ran through Cooper cup and clearly I went nine and O or 10 and O and then Cooper cup got injured. And then, you know, the rest of my fantasy team kind of shit the bed for the rest of the year, ended up finishing fourth. Uh, so my biggest 22 bust of the year, I'm going to take it from a fantasy standpoint as well as a player standpoint. And I'm surprised you didn't pick this guy just because you love to shit on him. And I'm going to take Russell Wilson. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> That's yep. a good one. So, so Russell Wilson went to a new team. He was all hype at the beginning of the year. New team, new face, getting stuff done. Subway commercials, just rocking it out. Let's ride, let's ride, let's ride. And then, whoa, what the hell just happened? Uh, I don't remember Russell Wilson being in the media this much ever, and it's not a good thing, right? So towards the beginning of the season, he kind of shit the bed. And then from there, you know, he's bouncing off of bedrock here throughout the season, just trying to survive. And so – you know, we see him every week in the media with on the fantasy side, as well as just like as a quarterback for a franchise team, just not doing well. And so to me, you know, I, I initially at the beginning of the year expected great things, thought he was decent move. He was stagnant in Seattle. You know, he and Pete Carroll had been there forever. Let's get a new face. Russell Wilson's about to sling it and it didn't happen. So, uh, 
quick off the head, I think uh, Russell Wilson was a pretty big bust for this NFL season. Yeah, and you can add the Broncos into that just with the fact just as that in general, yeah, they brought yeah. all these pieces together, and then they're already fired their coach. Are, yeah, already fired their coach, and you know Russell Wilson. I guess the only thing that didn't bust was his was his you know bank account because he's getting 165 million dollars no matter how shitty he plays so send it yep. yeah i think you know another good one obviously the cardinals i know we've mentioned it multiple times in this podcast but the cardinals played terrible you know it's neither here nor there but i think all the rams that's a great one and uh the freaking broncos that's that's another top tier freaking bust of the year all right so. well let's transition back into kind of close this out a little bit into what are really going down into probably the game of the week uh and what the afc has to offer i mean no dak you've been we are high on. basically it's the hey fc's uh super bowl to lose here but um starting out we got the jags at kansas city coming into arrowhead uh kansas city getting uh, minus eight and a half over under is a high one here, 51.5. Uh, I've seen a little different numbers, and this may tailor into something we may talk about later. But I've seen nine to KC and 52 and a half, uh, depending on what you look at. So, bouncing back and forth, you know, obviously, the, the one that matters is the one that I'm betting on. Um, kind of interesting and. I don't know where I don't know where I lie on the over under, but the line, you know, how many times we've talked about this near double digit or double digit lines. Like if you just look across real quick, if you look across the spreads in the divisional round of the 2023, you know, going into the playoffs, one of these four teams is a, or one of these eight teams is about to be in the Super Bowl. And you've got lines at nine, seven and a half, five and a half and four. Like, there's no pick em games out there. There's no, like, these two teams are going to be really tight. It's a pick em. Let's give them home field advantage at, you know, two and a half or three and a half with a hook kind of things. Nine points? Like, geez. So, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about uh, Jacksonville and Kansas City. Uh, I know Patrick Mahomes is a superior quarterback to Sunshine. Um, but with resiliency that we saw last week, I hope they make a game out of it. Um, but Kansas City, Kansas City marches on to the AFC Championship without a doubt. Facts, and uh, it's it's not even close in my opinion. I I'd take the over on this one honestly. Um, they're in Arrowhead. Uh, you've got a quarterback who uh, in Jacksonville who's won one game in the postseason. Um, Arrowhead is a very difficult place to play. Uh, yep. do you, do you know who leads the league as a team who leads the league in sacks? I'm guessing it's somebody on Kansas Jacksonville. Uh, no, Jacksonville? The, the Eagles, the Eagles have 70 sacks on the season. You know, who number two, where the is? shit did that come from? Okay. All right. Number two, the chiefs 55. Okay, sacks in the okay. season. All right. So thanks for making that relevant gonna, there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to go down the list, right? So, at any rate, uh, I believe, if I'm not correct, the Jaguars are, like, ranked, like, 27th or 28th. I mean, they're they're pretty far down there. So, my point being, um, 
give me the Chiefs D at home, sacking the piss out of Trevor Lawrence uh, in a really tough environment to play in. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there were a couple of fumbles, a couple of fumble recoveries by Kansas City. I wouldn't be surprised if Trevor Lawrence throws a few picks, um, maybe even a pick six. Like, I, I think this game is going to expose the shit out of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Beautiful story last week, what they did to the, to the Chargers. Chargers shouldn't have lost that game. I think Patty Mahomes is going to have a fucking day against this defense. Um, and, I mean, he's got the weapons. He's been slinging it to Jarek McKinnon on the side for the last six weeks. Jarek McKinnon's been looking great with receiving touchdowns. I mean, he's got all the intangibles. Give me the Chiefs. Take the over. Love this game. I think it's going to be a bloodbath for the Jags. Um, so I so I think that the 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 line screams Vegas is telling you to take Kansas City here. They're like, come on, gotta beat them by over a touchdown, right? I mean, it's the Jaguars, they barely survived last week. Um, but Chiefs are seven and one at home, only three and five against the spread. Only two times when they've been at home have they hit the over. Never scored over 30 points this season, which is totally an anomaly from the yeah, that's offense, offense that we know the Chiefs have. Now, Patrick Mahomes, he's a different story, right? He's undefeated at home in the playoffs and against the spread, uh, three and one against the spread. I think the under here is a decent play. I don't disagree with Johnny O's points. I do think that the Jags will get exposed. But uh, the Jags have a decent secondary. I think they'll be able to contain a little bit the big plays. Uh, the last time this they, they played up in Arrowhead, the Chiefs pushed as a 10-point favorite, 27-17. Um, I think this one's a this one's a close one. I'm thinking the under here is the play. If the Chiefs don't get over 30, there's I don't see can, uh, the Jags getting over like 17. So I think Chiefs take it handily. They probably cover the spread, but I think the under here is safe. That's a huge stat. Never scoring more than 30. That is huge. But wow, I didn't know that. They put up 40, 41 on the Buccaneers, and they put up. 44 on the 49ers. So this year. So you know. Oh, hold on. Hold wait, on. Cuz Dave just said they haven't scored more than 30 all season. I at pulled home. that off at oh. home. Yeah, yeah, at home. Yeah. At home. Yeah, I should okay. that should have put that as a qualifier. Yeah, so all away right. they've scored more. All right, we'll cut that. Yeah, sorry. So we'll just leave we'll leave Dave we'll leave Dave looking glorious there. Okay. No, I'll, um, I'll put it in there. So he says, yeah, away they got it. But, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. That's a good qualifier. I pulled that straight off of Vegas Insider. So. Still still a big stat. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then, you know, moving on to the last of uh, divisional round games, I think this is probably uh, the game of the week, you know, just because we're hyping up because of what happened last time. We didn't get to see right. it happen. We wanted to see it. 
you know, Joey Cools just killing in the second half of the season. You know, everybody's rooting for this dude. However, you know, the the uh, undercut, uh, no offense, Dave, you know, we're seeing a lot of America's team out there for the Buffalo Bills coming up, you know, so like, especially after the hold – on, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on. That's just – that's insanity. Like, you guys uh, after, can't just take that. We've had it for like 50 years. Yeah, no, but you have to win. Like, you have to win. And so – Yeah, we just uh, did. I'll, How many I'll Super say, Bowls you got? I'll say uh, not Damn. as many as the Cowboys. I will say after the DeMar Hamlin thing – Everybody and their mother wants the Bills to win. And so you, you've you got this matchup that's like, I like this team, this underdog, this this quarterback for the Bengals. And then I've got, oh, my God, I, I had no idea. These guys jumped through tables, and it's, like, really cold. And, like, this dude's heart stopped. Oh, my God, Buffalo Bills, let's go. And so th- this is just going to be a banger. And, uh, you know, real football people have been waiting for this game for a long time, but I think everyone is tuning into this. It's five – Five to the Bills, 48 and a half over under. Uh, I will leave this to you two gents. You know where I stand on this. I will say uh, let's hope the Mafia takes the day, but Bills have been shit covering the spread this year. So take it away, boys. Yeah, I'm taking the over. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think the over is a, the over is a great pick here. Um, depending on weather, obviously uh, playing in Buffalo, the weather dependent. Uh, but I think the over is a, a good, a good bet here. Um, I, I really like the Bengals to cover the spread. I think five is too big. This is too. This is too. Uh, too obviously, I wouldn't say. Obviously, it's an important fucking game, Dave. It's the playoffs. But <laughs> with everything, with the storylines behind this, uh, I I like the Bills to win outright. I'm just not comfortable with laying that many points with the Bengals. Uh, they are Joe Burrow is four and one straight up in his all five playoff games he's played, and all of those have been settled by seven points or less. Uh, so that to me says this isn't going to be a blowout. It's not going to be a touchdown game. Bengals are going to keep it close, and like you said, the Bills have been terrible against the spread, especially those high numbers. Uh, they they've they've allowed. I mean, even with the Dolphins, we saw it. Like they they allowed the Dolphins to stay in that game. So I like the Bengals to hang around and to cover the spread here. Okay. All right. Last thing. Let's get out of this um, thing. We've been here. Well, oh fuck me. All right. Nope. So Go ahead. I I wanted to talk about this game because one I think the AFC matchups compared to the NFC matchups I think are more clear cut. In my opinion, I think Kansas city is going to win this game. I think Buffalo is going to win this game. And the reason I think Buffalo is going to win this game against Cincinnati is three offensive line starters for the Bengals are out. Okay. A couple of them got injured last week. And I think again, today to Dak's point about um, the DeMar Hamlin story, I think, the Bills have a fire lit under their ass. I think they're excited for this matchup. Um, I believe they've they haven't done well in this matchup in the past. Joey Cool's come out on top. So um however, even though he's got T. Higgins, he's got Tyler Boyd, he's got Jamar Chase, he's got Joe Mixon, he's got all these offensive weapons. There's no like he's relying on backups to protect him. And you've got a, a Bills defense that's going to pin their ears back at home and like go to work. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't be surprised. I yeah. really wouldn't be surprised Matt Milano, ever heard of him? Let's go. if if uh, the Bills win this by more than a touchdown, just because I think Burrow's going to have a difficult time in the pocket. Um, we saw him in the Super Bowl have a difficult time in the pocket when he doesn't. He's not protected. I mean, yep. he's already had an ACL surgery because they couldn't protect him, right? And now you have three of your offensive line starters go down. Like, buckle up, dude. You're going to be running for your life. And uh, they better they better hope they can get the ground game started and, and give him a little bit of time to to find Jamar Chase, to find T. Higgins, to find Tyler Boyd, because it's – I think this, this is a – in my opinion, I'm taking the over, and I, I think the Bills are going to come out on top. I, I think it's going to be more than a touchdown. I, I just don't see the Bengals winning this game. Yeah, they better be glad they don't have the best pass rusher, uh, pass rusher in the game. And that, and that right, Gigum, right? Yeah, Von Miller is yep. not there, which yep. would have been a huge, yeah. huge deal. Completely agree. Okay, all right. But they have a great I secondary. Hear, I mean, you got the Bills have do. a great secondary. Like Poyer do. back there. Like yep. they're, they're, Poyer. Yep. Uh, they're, they're playing very like I said, well. Milano. They they've got a lot of uh, great players in the backfield. I agree. So okay, I want to hear four words come out of each of your mouths. So before we get into the bets of the week, I want to hear divisional winners, money line picks only. Four words. Wait, uh, or five, I guess, depending on who you pick. So. Uh, let's hear who's going to win each game. Johnny O go chiefs bills. Okay. Um, God, this is a toss up for me. Do it. Uh, that shit. Eagles 49ers. Um, uh, I'm going Eagles, Niners, chiefs, Bengals. Okay. All right. Philly boys, Casey bills. There we go. It's on the record books. We'll see how this shit turns out next week. All right, bets of the week. I want to hear uh, real quick because we do have to at some point, you know, go do our normal jobs and stuff. So uh, bets of the week. Does anybody have a bet of the week they want to chat about? While you're looking, because, you know, if you hadn't looked up your bet of the week already, Johnny O kind of talked about his. So let me tell you who's not the uh, bet of the week winner this week. And that's the young man who bet the $1.4 million on the Chargers to win while they were up 27 to zero at half. So the odds were minus 12,500. The dude only would have made $11,000 on said pick. Hey, sounds good. This is a bag. 27 zero, no chance in hell. You know, hey, let me little 11,000 side piece kick here. Homeboy lost $1.4 million betting on the Chargers. So, as he is not the – that hurts. That hurts bad. Dude, he is not a, the winner of this week. Let me hear about your bets of the week. Johnny O, I know you already alluded to yours, but let's lock them in, boys. Yeah, I, this one's a tough one for me. I think a lot of these games, obviously, Vegas knows what the hell they're doing. I don't mind the Jags, honestly, uh, but I, my bet of the week here is going to I'm putting I'm going to put a four team teaser together, six and a half point teaser. So take the Giants, take the dogs here. Uh, at, well, I'm taking Giants, Niners, Jags, Bengals, six and a half point teaser. Throw those dudes in the washer. And then uh, you'll probably get about plus 230, plus 300 odds. Not too bad. 
And uh, I think there's not going to be any blowouts. Okay. Um, I mean, I already kind of alluded to the whole Boston Scott ordeal, you know, the Giants killer. I think that's a like a, a cool, like, hey, throw a couple dollars at it, see what happens. Um, do I think this is going to be the game where he doesn't score a touchdown? Probably because we're talking about it, right? Exactly. Um, so on that note, I think if I'm going to pick a player to score a touchdown, I love Dawson Knox. I think this guy is killing it the last couple of weeks. Ah. He's a a big target in the end zone. Um, I think the guy's going to score. If I'm picking a player that I think has high odds to score, um, it's going to be Dawson Knox. And on that note, I'm also going to ride the bills for my pick of the week, because I think to have, his like Joey Burrow's offensive line so beaten and battered in the second round of the playoffs in a highly motivated a Bills team at home like to me that just it just sounds like disaster so I'm taking the Bills this week um, I'm taking the over and I have no faith in what's going on in the NFC right now and if I had to take someone from the Jags Kansas City game I would I'm definitely taking Kansas City but I don't think I'd bet on that game just because of how the Jags played the last game so um Bills are my pick of the week all right uh well I'll piggyback off of that I'm gonna take the uh, Buffalo Bills Cincinnati Bengals over at 48 that's what I'm locking in I think after last showing both of those teams want to show what they got. They didn't get to finish what they started. Uh, both teams are playing for a lot. Both teams have quarterbacks that like to show it, like to be uh, uh, center of attention, like to show out, uh, and both have arms and feet that can prove it. I think this this game is going to be a high score, and I can't freaking wait to watch it. So uh, Bengals-Bills over at 48, lock of the week. I like it. Can't disagree and- just so you know, if you think that we're completely full of shit and you've been hanging around for the last six and a half hours, uh, <laughs> Dak and I went, I went six, like we said earlier, I went six for six oh, last week, went five for six. So yep. we got something going on. Hey, Johnny, I went five for six too on a straight money line pick, didn't you? You just missed the, the, the Jags game, didn't you? Yeah. Fucking yep. Jags. Yeah. So that Such was fun, bullshit. dude. Going into, uh, all six playoff games, you and I were five for five going into the Cowboys, uh, the Cowboys game last week. And then, you know, you bet on your boys for once and it turned out. And yep. I lost all my money and you made money. So six for six. I give you props. I concede to your betting greatness. What'd you pull from that? I was sitting at like, like I was putting like a plus 1280 odds. It's pretty so good. $12 when you bet a dollar. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Dave, let's wrap this mother trucker up. Uh, no episode would be complete without the safety brief. You did it last week, but you know, I just I just love hearing your voice send this off. So hit me with one more. What's our safety brief of the week? Uh, my safety brief of the week is find who your people are. All right. Hell yeah. Preach. So uh, uh you know, there are so many 
things out there and crowds that you get you can get into where you're supposed to be this you know this person whether it's on social media whether it's at your job that you just really aren't and so my safety brief of the week is find who your people are. Who are the people that you can be real with? Who are the people that you can be yourself around? Because that's really important. And from like a real talk perspective, like in a lot of ways, that's that is the people that can tell when you're struggling and can kind of keep you accountable with that. So find who your people are. And that is the, you know, if you want to talk, for real, like why Dak and Dave started this whole thing up is because honestly, who you my fuck, boy blue. <laughs> well, yeah, that and who the fuck needs to know that that oh, see how the quarterback looked off the safety? Yeah, dude, I'm watching the TV. I can I'm not a fucking I'm not blind. I can see that the that the quarterback made a great throw there or whatever. But what people really need is people that they they just want to hang out with and just talk about like not get angry because somebody said some crazy shit. So that's why we started this thing. That's what we are going to keep continuing this thing to be is find some people you can be real with and be real around. And we hope that drink and think with Dak and Dave is one of those things that you can be real with and enjoy. So that's safety brief for the week. This has been fun. Johnny O yeah. getting it second round. Thanks for coming back, dude. I freaking back to it. back. Dak and Dave world champs. You Gosh. are the man. No, you guys are. I love doing this. This is so much fun. I would love to come back whenever y'all have me. Had a blast. Love talking sports, beer, shooting the shit with you guys. Hell of a safety brief, Dak. Way to take that, that, hey, that was a good safety brief, like, bro. I enjoyed that. Hit, I, hit it me. got me. Got like the hair on my arm standing up. I was in the feels. Yeah. It tickled me right, right where I right in my my huevos, um, especially because, you know, Dak was one of those guys to me in PA school that was there for me when I was going through a rough time, going through a breakup. The girl Hell I yeah. for six years, and then Dak was my boy. So, um, my uh, my Norwal horn, you're tickling my <laughs> Norwal horn there. Norwal, damn it, tickling, tickling your giblets. That's right. All right, boys. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming, dude. We'll talk soon. Uh, this has been fun, as always. And we'll see you next week, Jim. See ya. See ya.